mean, I think creativity is the reason that people come to Sistema or they come with a creative mindset. If someone has a creative mindset, they're probably more attracted to Sistema than they might be something with more of a rigid discipline. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Martin. Thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Great to see you as always. Nice to be back in uh, North Carolina. Thank- thankfully, we didn't get swamped in. We caught the edge of Hurricane Florence, so we uh, we, got, we got some nasty flooding and we got some uh, yeah, some couple of trees down and things, but nothing like the people had on the coast. That was a Wilmington got cut off for a good stretch of time, I think, and we had like half a million people without power. It's pretty crazy, but uh, it managed to pat uh, past the uh, research triangle largely uh, unscathed for the most part. So we were all prepping like crazy for like a week, and then and it largely blew by. But yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of scary. It could have been a lot worse if it really was a category four that would have been a different story you know we would might not have been doing this podcast right now (laughs) might have been in a serious repair situation using systemic skills for something else (laughs) rescuing it (laughs) yeah yeah it was a yeah it was no kind of fun but it's good to see you so you're on route um to europe right so we have this two-day seminar with us we're about to start this weekend in europe to england and amsterdam after that Uh, i fly to amsterdam after this and uh, do a uh, police and military course yeah and then uh fly from there to england and, uh, down to Devon and do a um, Kemper seminar actually but uh, Kemper was a martial art I did 20 years ago for a long time yeah and uh, I haven't really had much involvement in it since then yeah and uh, I got invited to go down there my family's down there too so yeah caught two birds with one stone I thought it would be fun yeah cool That's, what's that going to be like you think going back to teaching something a bit more <laughs> traditional versus well, the exploratory work you've been doing for a good stretch of time I'm not sure that I'll be really teaching I mean it's hard for me to say I'm teaching specific thing to anybody now I mean yeah I like to think of it as this is a problem that needs to be solved yeah you have two people or three people or five Mm -hmm. weapons or not weapons or what environment how do you solve the problems rather than placing a name on it too much yeah stretch you Mm -hmm. but uh, obviously certain methodologies help you solve those problems yeah Um, I'm not sure really Uh, I don't know Ask me next week. <laughs> <laughs> but a question after the yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think the future is going to be like? Yeah, I'm telling you right now. Yeah, definitely. Exactly what the future looks like. Well, actually, um, so that. Um, Except the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that leads in quite nicely to something that we got chatting about uh, last night in the, in the hotel bar, like we do, where most of the world's martial arts problems are solved. <laughs> I find traditionally. And we're kind of having a bit of discussion about kind of a kind of relationship between kind of having space and freedom to work and create. Um, while you're um, practicing Sistema and then also kind of the necessity for precision and kind of um, using movements that are, that are precise and effective um, and it kind of seems it's an interesting thing when, when you talk about um, a martial artist generally so if you're talking about a boxer or an MMA fighter when somebody says they're you know they have great precision what it usually means is in that sense is that they've they've drilled that striking technique or they've drilled that grappling transition or whatever it's going to be so many times that they've just got the angles have become more precise the biomechanics are more unified they've they've cut out wasted motion in that specific technique and they're like well he has an incredible right hand it's so precise you know it's, it's you know it's, his jab just finds its way to you every single time it's you know really really precise um or in jiu-jitsu or something like that like you have to watch him with his back takes he's incredible you know they're so precise he can always just transition from wherever he is or he can find an arm bar from any position there he just understands it um but in Sistema we've got this interesting thing is that we that we're constantly exploring and trying to kind of create interactions and create techniques on the move right that are just relevant to the situation as it develops so how do you how do you work to develop precision when you're doing something that's so general that makes sense. Kind of, how can you make, do everything precisely? <laughs> it's, it's easy to draw one thing and then get very precise at that because it's a series of unfolding motions. But how do you how do you work towards being precise in a general sense? Is that kind of yeah. yeah? So I mean, you always ask me the easy questions. <laughs> yeah, um, it is a little hard to explain, just on a you know just on an explanation level because you know one demonstration or one feeling can explain you know a picture paints thousand thousand words sure yeah I think what you find with most at least sport orientated martial arts even though obviously they can be used in street fights or battlefields in whatever way um, but when you're drilling to win a one-on-one competition in a specific style uh, say boxer against boxer or grappler against grappler or an MMA fighter you know where, where you have this sort of uh, freedom between ground fighting standard fighting Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think you'll find that they probably, it's not that they have a large number of techniques that are go-to techniques. Uh, I mean, when I was training in judo, for example, mm. uh, up to the level I got, which was you know, very decent. Mm. And uh, I mean, I probably had hundreds of throws. Mm. But I was practicing on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. Um, especially towards belt tests. And, mm. you know, one of the nice things about, especially the judo club I was in, you had to fight for your belt. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't just, well, could you understand this? Yeah, wasn't performance. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it yeah. was you know, whether you actually could do what you were training to do. Mm. Um, and the club was, there was like four national champions in it and a world champion uh, who were training, you know, five times a week. I didn't know with them. Yeah. And I would say even those guys at that level probably had four or five solid techniques that they went to constantly. Yeah. And yes, their precision on you know everything, you know, I mean we could work one technique for weeks mm. figuring out exactly where your hip went, exactly where your leg went. Yeah. And, and, and this isn't theory, this is something you then use in Glory to yeah. against good guys who are national level players yeah. to figure out whether you could actually make your throw more efficient, or sure. whether you could hide your entry a bit better, or, yeah. you know. And even training with someone like uh, Higgin uh, Machado, you know, my sure. business partner in uh, LA. Uh, I mean, the variety of techniques that this guy can come up with on the fly is pretty mind blowing. Yeah, but even he'll tell you, okay. I have a great arm bar, I have a great choke, and I have a great leg lock. Yeah. Uh, it's not that I'm gonna change those three techniques specifically, it's just that I can get to them from almost any position. Yeah. Like, so I have a million entries mm. for one ending. Mm. So I can have that one ending everywhere. Yeah. As long as I've got, you know, a, a, a ton of different ways of looking at how to enter mm. the technique from pretty well in any position. Sure. And I found that with my own fighting as well, that when I was Mondorian or, or, or sparring or boxing or, you know, there was certain, you know, I had a decent left hook and a, mm. um, a, a, a pretty decent double left hook, so I would figure out positions where you could apply that. Where I get to apply that. You know? yeah. It wasn't that I would just constantly throw the double left hook. It's sure, just, yeah. You know, I'd throw the cross and find my way in and mm. open up a position where I know my body's going to respond pretty quickly. Yeah. And uh, with judo as well, you know, I had about three really solid throws that I knew I could probably get from most positions. Mm. But the game for me then was to see, well, what else can I do? Because I know I can do those things. Yeah. There was a book by Aldo Nari, uh, the... Art of Losing. I don't know. Did I talk about this before on a podcast? I don't think so. No. Uh, uh, he was a turn of the century um, uh, swordsman from Italy, I believe, and uh, a brilliant book called On Fencing. Mm. And uh, he was one of the last guys in death matches yeah. uh, who also competed in competition. Sure. And, um, and he had this really great set of way of looking at life and training. Um, and one of his last chapters was called uh, the, Art, uh, the Art of Losing. Mm. And uh, it basically came down to, um, he said, as I got older, my, my students couldn't understand how they could regularly beat me in training. And yet when I went into world-class competition, I always won still. Mm. He said, and what they failed to understand is that I was only, having mastered my best techniques, I was only practicing my poorest techniques against them. Mm. And, that's kind of where Sistema comes in. It's like, it's, it's basically asking you to accept that you will have best techniques. I still have best techniques. And there's, there's still parts of Sistema that I feel myself go to in go-to moments. Sure. As much as you want to work spontaneously and be creative in the environment that you're in, there's certain times when I'll feel the system or equivalent of the double left hook coming out. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll recognize the position and yeah. my hands will move in that way and mm. and uh, and I'll apply that because I know it's got a pretty decent chance of working. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
it's slightly different because you're kind of working out of the feel of what you're doing and everything yeah. else. But, mm. um, the uh, danger, if you like, I mean, look, there's no danger in having a good technique. Mm. You know, if you, I mean, I know a ton of street fighters who probably have one punch. Sure. Yeah. Just apply it first. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That will let you get into this. Yeah. Sort of like, in Scotland, yeah. Glasgow, I guess a lot of people right. start the fight. Yeah. 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 yeah, you don't see anything else with that. Yeah, I mean, cause, and it, mm. it has nothing to do with, well, you know, I've honed this technique down. It has to do with that, well, I've used this again and again and again, and it's the success rate that allows me to determine whether it's a good technique or not. Right. right? And, uh, and, I, and I don't fault anyone for having that. I, I certainly have certain things which I would prefer to do than yeah. other things I would prefer not to do. You know? Sure. But I think the key to really is to to stop yourself from using your best techniques mm. and force yourself to start to explore what your other options are. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, even get lost in in certain ways. And um, you know, if you're say you're knife fighting or training to knife fight. Maybe spend the class dying, yeah. you know, allowing the knife just, I mean, you know, worst case scenario, the knife hits you and kills you. And so you, everything you do is like, okay, I can't let the knife touch me. I can't yeah. do this. But if in doing so, you never really explore what possible positions you could be in. Mm. Um, obviously, with the knife coming at you, mm. uh, but you never really get past that fear of, Okay, well, I can't work in this way, or I can't work in that way. Because what if you could work in that way? Sure. What yeah. if there's a scenario where that does open up to you, and the knife goes flying, or yeah, or sure, you know, they miss you or something, and you find yourself in a space that you've never been in before. Yeah, and you have no idea what to do because you've never right. you've never seen it. Right? Never seen it before yeah. because you're so used to going for the things that work for you. Sure. So, yeah, I, I would say try and develop your precision in the spaces where you're not used to working. Take out the fear or the embarrassment of training and dying sort of thing. Yeah. And just explore what happens when you're in a certain space where you don't feel comfortable because you know you would get caught. Mm. Then you can always step back and say, well, how do I not get caught in that situation? Because mm. that could be the next part of your drill. Mm. Like, okay, if I am there and I want to work there, how do I stop him from, from catching me with a knife in that position? Sure. So it's sort of allowing yourself the freedom to explore things without consequence and then add consequence into it later rather than exploring everything with the idea of consequence being the ultimate factor yeah. yeah then you can start opening up into sort of freedom and precision in those moments I see that um, I see that idea almost kind of there's almost like a watershed between the two different ways that a lot of people within system are using um, as instructors approach their training. Like some of them uh, are just firmly on what that one side of the watershed, like everything that we do from the beginning of the class to the end of the class has to be about martial arts, has to be about combat, has to be about living or dying, right? Everything we do has to be uh, with the assumption that you cannot lose, right? That you can do this kind of thing. And then on the other end of the scale, you've got people that are like, well, we're, we're just practicing here, right? We're trying to discover things about ourselves. We're moving in new ways. We're trying to explore what the possibilities are. And, and it seems like sometimes people glue onto one of those ends. And if you glue onto the end of like always exploratory, but never testing it as hard as you can, never getting stabbed really, really hard and that kind of stuff, there's a danger of leading yourself into kind of like a, a delusion of skill, right? <laughs> Where you think you're, you're practicing, exploring things and you're moving around stuff and, and you might be coming up with some interesting ideas and movements and things, but like if people aren't applying it hard enough or you're not keeping once in a while that idea that things might get dangerous and you might have to move in a more direct way, you might have to go to one of your go-tos in order to survive or something like that, then you can delude yourself. And on the flip side as well, when you're locked into that idea of like, no matter what happens, they can't touch you with the knife, for example, or if you're sparring, like, no matter what happens, you can't let them punch you in the face because that would be the end of it. That kind of thing, you know, you can't afford to just take one shot or you can't afford to take one shot to the body or wherever it's going to be. Then you'll never allow yourself to, you know, um, fight in the pocket. You never allow yourself to get close enough to try out things that you, you might otherwise do. And it just becomes almost like point fighting. Do you know what I mean? Where people are just kind of, um, trying so hard not to lose that it won't allow themselves to find new things. So how do we, um, how do we deal with that push and pull in training? Is there just kind of a space for both in every training session or should we like kind of just swing and periodize between the two, do you think? Or is there kind of some other approach that you like to take? And also, is that is that something that 
you apply to beginners and more experienced trainees in the same way because I see I see new people kind of want the things they want some go-tos to feel confident um, otherwise they don't they can't feel effective um, and then if you do that then they're more willing to explore later but if you just tell them from the first class just explore and you'll be fine right a lot of them just seem lost or they'll drift off because like well this is not effective you know I'm losing all the time you know what I mean it's, do, you, do you know what I'm getting at it's, it's kind of yeah. a difficult push and pull as instructors uh, yes I mean mm. A lot of questions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it back away. Yeah, do, do, you, do you feel that there's a dichotomy that some people teach all the way, like this is the hardest reality martial art ever, and some people are just this is just exploration? Do, I, I think, do you feel that exists all the time? Yes, definitely. Yeah, and I think people train for different reasons as well. And I, and I think I mentioned before that I don't mind what your reasons are. Just make sure you understand what they are, and that you're explaining those to your students. Yeah, so that they know what they're getting into. Sure. Yeah. You know? um, I think in the middle somewhere is probably where the answer is. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you're always being full on and, you know, you know, do or die, mm. then, yeah, that doesn't leave much room for creativity. And, mm. you know, and if you're totally in the creative space all the time and never do or die, then you're probably going to die in reality. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So if you're training for reality, I would say, if you have an option between the two, then train do or die because you need a couple of obvious things that you're going to sure. go to. Mm. Um, I guess that's the rationale for the kind of systems yeah, they use. If you've got six weeks to train in Sistema and you're going to be on a, you know, in a war zone or die, who yeah. knows what, you know? Yeah. Six weeks later, then I would say do or die is probably the mm. most effective way to train. Sure. Um, if you're trying to develop somebody with a creative mindset, then somewhere between those two spaces, yeah, you know, you've got to test in the crucible the reality of what you're doing. Mm. At the same time, you've got to be on the other end of it and explore what the possibilities are, so that you can test things out in the crucible. Yeah, you know? um, I think it also leads to a matter of mentality and. If you're training yourself to be, I mean, I meet some, I mean, I meet a lot of different types of martial arts all the time. Yeah. And I can't say that one guy is more effective than the other until you see them fight. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, some, some guys it's obvious and some guys it's not so obvious. You can't, you know, if you've got a good fighter up against each other and you could be in a prison situation with somebody who's constantly fighting with a, you know, small knife and mm. against people who are very determined pretty sure that they would go through most martial arts classes and, mm, yeah. you know, with limited technique and yeah. catch everybody with something, Yeah. right? Mm. So, you know, your environment, your necessity, all these sort of things play into the factor of, mm. you know, is that person concerned about what happens to them either? I mean, do they, mm. do they care about surviving the yeah. situation or do they just say, well, I'm just going to kill as many people as possible and patch myself up afterwards yeah yeah <laughs> if I yeah. survive you know what I mean yeah um, I mean I think creativity is the reason that people come to Sistema or they come with a creative mindset if someone has a creative mindset they're probably more attracted to Sistema than they might be something with more of a rigid discipline you're going to be attracted to the thing that is like you not or or that you lack yeah you know and so I think people in Sistema generally are looking for a more creative outlet for their expression of whatever it is that, you know, their defense or whatever it is that they're trying to figure out in their life. Yeah. And people who go to a very rigid, you know, say karate system or something where you line mm. up and you do this and you do that and this is how you deal with this and this. Yeah. Uh, then people who uh, have that kind of hard wiring yeah. are probably more likely to go towards that. So, sure. Mm. So I think the people in Sistema are probably generally more in the sort of creative yeah. Mindset. So to put them into a constant, well, this is how you deal with this and this is how you deal with it. Yeah. I don't think that they fit to that yeah. tremendously well, but which is the reason they should do it. Because, mm. you know, if, if I have somebody who comes to me who's very strong, I make them work very weak. Yeah. Because they already have strength. Yeah. You know, and if they're very weak, I might make them work very strong. Cause sure. They don't know they have it. They don't, you know, yeah. well, they got to figure out where yeah, it is. Yeah, develop it. Yeah. 
one is useful and one is, one is, one is better to be soft or one is better to be strong. Sure. Um, and I think that's the same with your mindset. If you're a creative person and you don't really like discipline or rigidity, then you should be forced in some ways to or force yourself to work that way mm. so you understand how to use that. Mm. And, uh, and the other way, if you're super creative or if you're super rigid and you know, don't, yeah. you, know, you should force yourself in some way to be, at least try and be creative. And, you know, and, and, and I think that's where you'll find yeah, I think the best, and I think it comes down to a mountain, mountain training. You're asking me, should we do that in every class? No, probably not. I mean, how many times a week do you train? Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're training eight, ten times a week, then you probably you can afford to spread that a bit. Yeah. Well, you can yeah. have one class like one day, and one yeah. class, and then you have a sparring class to try it out. And sure. Then, yeah. And, you know, but if you're training once a week, then yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you have to do what you feel is 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 most beneficial to. To me, I think training in full reality, in reality, is your best option. Mm -hmm. um, but my sense of that might be different to what yours is. Yeah. So, yeah. Emmanuel Manolakakis will be coming to Durham, North Carolina on the weekend of January the 26th, 27th, 2019 for a two-day exploration of deep systema principles. To register online, visit www.ncsystema.com slash events. Before September the 1st, podcast listeners can claim an additional 10% off using the discount code HITME at checkout. That's H-I-T-M-E at the online checkout. Hope to see you there. So I guess what you're saying is that as long as you're, as we're constantly challenging ourselves and challenging our students to kind of reach beyond where they feel comfortable and they might feel comfortable with like fixed, rigid responses to things or they might feel comfortable yeah. with exploratory work, whatever it is that they're not doing Do in not that kind of older nutty thing. It's just like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm trying out what I'm not good at. Yeah. Right? It's, uh, as long as you're doing that, then probably there's growth. Well, at least you're expanding your horizon. You're, yeah. you're going to go a little bit further down a road that you're not comfortable with, but you're going to find use in it. Yeah. You know, but if you're only going down the same road, you're always going down, then yeah. Well, the, the other problem is psychologically. What if that doesn't work? Yeah. Right. You've got nothing else left, right? Right. Yeah. yeah you've already broken yourself because you've run yeah. out of options, and physically you might be capable of doing a lot of things, but yeah, mentally if you break, then yeah, there's no fight anyway. So, and, uh, what I've seen is also in mindset. You can you can have a mindset which might work for you about ninety percent of the time, right? So if you're the sort of person who likes to meet a challenge head on and go crashing into it and, and just meet it with confidence and standing tall and kind of trampling down the problem. That will get you a surprisingly long way in life and in combat, actually. You know, if, you, if you're not afraid to wade in there, um, then if the other guy is even a little bit hesitant, often you can just steamroll whatever it is, it, whether you're a grappler, whether you're a striker, right? If you're confident in what you can do, you can just go through people a lot of time. But if you meet somebody else with the same mindset, Right, and that 10% of the time somebody else is doing that negative that too, then that's probably not going to serve you very well and you just have two people who are brawling into each other. At that point, you might need to learn to be a bit more tactical or a bit more creative or a bit more defensive. And if, you know, if you've never tried that, you've got nothing else left right? when that fails. And so, so both the aggressive and the defensive mindset limit you a lot, I think. Right? And the aggressive one stops you from figuring out what you would do when that doesn't work. And the defensive one stops you from feeling what your what your power could be and, and i see this sometimes as well you know and i can feel it myself um, especially coming from the background of aikido where everything was defensive right? everything is preceded with they attack you and then right <laughs> there's there's you know you don't apply things forcefully in, in aikido from walking up to somebody making it work and that can build a mindset over time i think of like well i'll wait to see what he does and then we'll see what's happening and that's not always the best I mean in some senses you do that but even in Sistema when you're waiting to see what he does you're still positioning yourself so that you have power right so you could respond if you just kind of wait passively for them to attack then you're always behind the initiative curve and that can be a really bad thing with any kind of trained fighter right they'll, they'll just take you to the cleanest you should never be waiting passively for someone to attack sure yeah yeah it's always about it I mean you should always be considering how you're going to your movement your positioning everything should be preemptive. Yeah. I mean, if you, Constantine Kamalov said something like, you know, if you, if you're in a physical fight with somebody, mm. it means you screwed up your system. Yeah. 
because you should have figured out way before they ever got to a fight that you should take that guy out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what somebody calls the table saying. There's something wrong with that line. Yeah. yeah. You know, if they come looking for you, you should already know that. Yeah. Yeah. And you should preempt right. what they're doing before, you know, I think there's always this fantasy that the martial arts is, you know, that you're, you're defending yourself against swans and sure. stuff like that. Well, yes, that is part of the ethos yeah the ethos I guess sort of the, the, almost like the knightly sort of fantasy that, you mm. know, that you, but the reality of fighting is that you have to beat the other guy right Right. and how you do that is the, 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 the quicker and more efficiently you can do that the less yeah. likely you are to get damaged right yeah right. you can't afford to be too courtly about the whole thing no, <laughs> I mean I, people used to ask me well what at what point you know, do you start to defend yourself you know, mm. from bouncing and I'll tell them and if you think they're going to hit you, hit them Yeah. because if, if you think that they're going to hit you, they probably have thought of it themselves you're feeling that, so hit them Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. worry about it later yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, because they're not going to worry about it you know, yeah. you're dealing with different types of mindsets all the time mm. and uh, there's predatory mindsets and they, they, they just simply are not thinking the way that you're thinking hmm. and that's one of the hardest things for you to deal with because you're thinking as a decent human being that you're not going to attack anybody so hmm. it's very hard for you to recognize that somebody else it's easy it might be easy for you to recognize that somebody else could attack someone else but hmm. it's hard for you to empathize in their mindset yeah hmm. so it's hard for you to kind of see well, this person will just hit me. Yeah. They will just attack me for whatever reasons they've already decided. Sure, yeah. You know, there's nothing holding them back, whereas everything might be holding you back. Yeah. So even training to be the guy who is the attacker is very important. Yeah. So mm. that you understand, A, how it's useful to you. Yeah. And B, you know, what is this person really thinking? Yeah, yeah. This how, is how relentless is. How are they thinking? Yeah, you know, What is yeah. this? What, you know, it's the Top Gun sort of school of, mm. you know, well, it's no point me just flying my jet. I got to fly their jet and their tactics, and, sure. yeah. and then I can understand how go. Yeah, go up against that. I think Rory Miller, the uh, you know the guy around meditations and violence and that kind of stuff. I, I can't remember if it was in that volume or in a later one that he talked about with them. Um, I think it might have been the one about force continuums that he wrote for with the lawyer for law enforcement people or something like that. He talks about that um, a very common response in real violence, whether it's in like the prisons like where he works in like high security prisons and stuff like that or whether it's um you know law enforcement out on the street or whether it's two people again to an altercation there's there's commonly this uh, kind of why me response right the, the, the thing starts to square off and there's almost like this denial that happens denial, right yeah, yeah. you know you, you don't want to think well he's got no reason to hit me why would he he's probably going to shove me around there'll be a bit of a monkey dance and some words and then probably he'll leave me alone because that's what i would do right <laughs> kind of that kind of thing so when the guy starts hitting you there's this little lag this cognitive delay where you can't bring yourself to fight for a good two, three seconds while you get over the idea that, oh, he doesn't care. Yeah. He, right? <laughs> he has no qualms at all about doing this and then kicking me in the nards repeatedly right. when I'm down. Right? He has absolutely zero ethics here. And if you if you don't meet that, or at least you don't acknowledge that, you, you're in a very dangerous situation. No, he has zero ethics. He just doesn't have... Yeah. He just has a set of ethics. Sure, yeah. And they may require him to... Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kill you. Just do what's necessary. So, yeah. You know, for his own personal... I mean... Sure, hmm. You know, growing up in the world I've grown up in, I mean, I know a lot of different types of people, you know, from police to gangsters and everything. Mm -hmm. They all had the same set of ethics. Yeah. It's just their application of them was very different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They could justify it in different ways. <laughs> right. Yeah, they've got a code. Right. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. You, know, you may not recognize it, but right. they do. Makes sense internally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so how do you, um, so coming back to this kind of question of, so it seems like there's kind of the exploratory and giving space to this exploratory nature of Sistema, right? And making sure that you give space to people for creativity and, and working. And, and you work extraordinarily creatively, right? When when you're demonstrating, you rarely do the same thing twice. It, it seems like you put yourself in positions sometimes that aren't so good on purpose so that you can see what you would do from there, right? So there's definitely this aspect of constant exploratory play. But then when you execute movements, they they tend to be 
very, very precise. They look like it, it, they were meant to happen from that position. You can say the same thing of Vladimir and of uh, Emmanuel and, and lots of other high-level people, right? It's like you, you're exploring, but then it seems to be good execution as well. So it's like this this idea of exploratory execution. You know, it's like the, just because you're exploring, it doesn't mean that you're you don't care, right? Then there's no structure and there's no well, you're not being mindful of the other things. Well, so it's like you're running a program in the background that allows you to keep the principles going, but also gives you space to play. How, how do you work on that yourself? How do you start to create that for yourself? People see Systema and they say, oh, it's natural movement. It's not natural movement. If it was natural movement, whoever walked in off the street would be a Systema master of the first class. Mm. Right? So it's guided instinct. Mm. And figuring out what your instincts are and guiding them is a very different process to natural movement. Yeah. Um, once you understand that it's guided instinct instead of techniques, because you've got two options. If it was natural movement, if boxing is natural movement, then you'd be a brilliant boxer the first day. Mm. If Sistema was natural movement, you'd be a brilliant Sistema artist the first day. Sure. Well, boxing isn't, so boxing is technique, talk, and timing, and distance, and sure. you know, and those are the things you have to learn. Mm. And Sistema doesn't have techniques in that sense where you're just going for those, you know, liver, Chilling chips, sure. head, you know, I'm not saying you're not going for those things, but you're just, right. but your approach to fighting is to understand your instincts and then start to guide them into, through a different set of, not techniques, but principles where you're looking for tension and, sure. and breathing and blah, 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 right? Yeah, more wide spectrum principles. More wide spectrum. Yeah, right? not like slip and this combination. Exactly. It's like yeah. well, it's move, yeah. establish distance, move to power. And, like and if you were fighting one person all the time, Sistema yeah. will probably become boxing. Mm -hmm. But if you were fighting, have to consider weapons and multiple attackers and everything else, then boxing would eventually become Sistema. Mm. You know, so, it, and which is probably what happened in some sure. form or another. Yeah. And, uh, and so you're, if you're replacing technique with principle, then you have to hone your principles the same way as you would hone your technique. Mm. And so understanding the principles and working with those is where your precision comes from. So is that about testing the principles as, from as many different angles as possible, so that you understand them in clearer and clearer ways? What do you mean by angles? Um, angles as in mindsets or, or situations. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so you can test your structure in a situation of stand-up grappling and be like, all right, I understand that keeping my spine straight or recovering this position lends me power and makes it difficult for people to take you down. But then there's other situations like, oh, the guy's attacking you with a knife and maybe you don't want to hold your structure too intact. You, you might need to evaporate and reform somewhere else, you know, or something like that. Um, is it about understanding then structure as kind of an emergent property of all, all these different things by looking at it from so many different viewpoints and so many different situations that you start to kind of infer uh, the, the principle in a clearer and clearer way. You know, I, I mean, I've seen that happening over my training over time where, you know, breath work or structure or movement has meant something completely different to me year on year, right? It's, and it's not like I've learned new ways to move. It's like, oh, well, the old way that I thought of as movement, that to me now isn't right. exactly movement. Yeah, you know, subtlety of what you're doing. Yeah, there's like an evolution of it that's enforced by people like you who show me the, the, the limitations of what it is that I was doing. And I'm like, oh, my, 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 my concept of structure now has changed. Yeah. Right, and, uh, and then that has to keep happening. I keep having to get broken down and rebuilt in certain ways in order to understand what that is. Otherwise, I get attached to an idea of structure. For example, hold your spine straight at all times, no matter what. Right? If, you, if you're too rigid with that, that can get you hurt. Right? <laughs> that can be with multiple attackers or with, you know, with a knife or something like that. That can, that can be bad news if you're too dogmatic about that. You know? so, so it's about the variety of ways in which we test those principles. Is that one of the ways I, in which you... I think that's one of the main ways of doing it. Uh, yeah. I think you know, systemic could, like the easy thing about, no martial art is easy, depending, especially if it's a testable art. Yeah. Um, but the easiest thing about it is you're generally in a specific environment against a specific type of fighter. Yeah. Generally. Mm -hmm. And I really haven't seen another martial art, that's, I mean, and no disparaging to any martial art. 
I really haven't seen any other martial art that deals with the amount of things that Sistema is capable of dealing with. From yeah. Driving the car to multiple attackers to ground mm. fighting. Now, how hard you train at that and how well you are, how, how de dedicated you are, is depending on how affected you personally are. Sure. In that. I mean, you it's down be, to you, not the system. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could be a boxer that takes out you know, five, six guys in a fight, yeah. never having a day of Sistema in your life. Mm. You could be a Sistema guy who's been training for 20 years in Sistema who couldn't mm. fight one person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? so, depending on how you train. So, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, there's no, you know, you, 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 you are the tool. You have to, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, how, how you effectively you train at what you're doing is yeah. determining your effectiveness. It's not the art that you do. Sure, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but saying that, I haven't seen another martial art that could effectively deal with the range of things mm. that you could with Sistema. Now, you might say to yourself, well, how is it possible that, you know, the Philippine martial arts are really great at knife and stick fighting and mm. have some grappling, some boxing. Sure. But if you put a Philippine knife and stick fighter up against a decent boxer, the, the boxer's probably going to have the advantage. Sure. And vice versa. Sure. You know, if you put the box up against a knife fighter, then it's probably going to get sliced to yeah. pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet they have to spend all of that time just to get good at one thing. How can you be good at both? Yeah, I mean, the question is like, are we limit? Are we sacrificing depth for breadth? And you know? that's the question, right? Yeah. So, if you were training in something where you specifically had to train in knife fighting, grappling, boxing, and everything else, then yes, you'd need five lifetimes to mm -hmm. understand each thing enough to be yeah. you know efficient in that, in that way mm. uh, but one of the smart or one of the genius things I think about Sistema is basically you're not trying to learn all these different things you're not becoming a knife fighter or, or a stick fighter or a hand boxer mm. or you know you, you're becoming a fighter who has a knife yeah. a fighter who has a stick Fighter yeah. who's using his hands, a fighter who drives a car, yeah, drives a car, sure. whatever, whatever yeah. it is, because you're basically taking a finite a number of principles. As you, I, mean, I don't know, but mm. basically you can condense them into four fundamentals: sure. breathing, relaxation, and your structure, sure. and timing, and blah blah blah, and everything else is going to be all part of that. But yeah. when it really comes down to it. You're only ever looking for yeah. things, and if you combine those and let it go, basically your martial art expresses itself out of those four principles, as opposed mm. to piling a diff you know different techniques on top of it. Yeah, and then each training session, you're looking at those four principles from this angle, this angle, this angle, this angle, this angle, this yeah. angle, this angle, this angle. So it's not like you're trying to change this the martial art each time. Yeah, you're just looking at how you do four fundamental things in any environment. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the more effectively you do that, the more effective you become in any environment. Right. Uh, but again, if you're doing that, you know, for an hour and a half a week, then you're not probably not going to be up against the guy who's got the volume of training. Yeah. Doing that for twenty hours a week. Yeah. I mean, the advantage is obviously it's going to be in time and training. Sure. So is that does that kind of does that imply that there's because there's going to be a minimum minimum volume of time like spent training right to absorb things in order to include all of those different contexts right if, if the variety of context is one of the things that makes mm -hmm. uh, the system fighter effective in, in all these different realms and that kind of stuff they have to be exposed to all those different contexts then is there a minimum volume of training you have to put in in order to experience those contexts I mean, I it's, it's, it depends on the guy hmm. I mean. I've seen some people come in and after two weeks understand things yeah. that people have been training for two years. Sure. There's, there's a bell curve here as well, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a yeah. human evolutionary, yeah. sure. you know, this guy's better than this guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's all there is to it. Mm. Um, I think the volume of training, again, becomes the factor in that. I mean, the guy mm. who trains for two years, even though the guy for two weeks might have natural abilities, the guy trains for two years doesn't have yeah the guy who trains for two years will if he's training diligently will probably win sure yeah you know, or at least catch up <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's yeah. kind of an analogy in health right we don't know the um 
the genetic lottery of predispositions you have, right? Yeah. You can be born with any number of different things. You'd be predisposed to cystic fibrosis, to like lung cancer, to Alzheimer's, and you just kind of don't know. And soon we will, right? They'll just do a test and we'll have a whole spread of things for personalized medicine. Um, but right now, the whole push of kind of health and wellness is to be like, well, you should act as if no matter what's happening, you should still put the training in, you should still eat well, you should still sleep well, you should do these things because you don't know what you've got, right? And so no matter what it is, it can be improved. And I guess it's the same, a similar thing here. It's like what, no matter what genetic lottery of physical ability or balance or, you know, ability, you know, uh, proprioception, no matter what it is that you have innately. And certainly some people, we were talking about NFL players and things last night, you know, some people are just ridiculously outliers on that curve. You know, they're, they're just physical beasts anyway, and they, they're agile and they're powerful and they're strong and they're mobile all of these things and you take somebody like that and of course they're going to learn faster but um, regardless of whether you have those gifts or not right, the volume of training is going to, it's going to help that's going to be what well, gets it so to I mean just having as an analogy I guess I mean even if you were to die tomorrow of something mm. what's the quality of your life today yeah you know, not necessarily the quantity yeah it, right mm-hmm. and the same with your training I mean even if you were never to get into a fight life mm-hmm. what is the quality of your training in the moment you're training in it yeah you know if, uh, am I, do, I, do I go to class to get through class or do, do I go to class to be in class yeah you know yeah do I go do I train to be to, to get past the knife and, or past the person and put them on the ground or am I engaged in the moment by moment process mm-hmm. of interacting with this environment mm-hmm. and and allowing myself to fully absorb the information flow process and whatever it is that I'm feeling that the the the, 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 the moment of space and time that you're in with somebody else. Sure. You know, whether it's in combat or in yeah. or in free play or, or yeah. massage work or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And I think the more that you I think this kinda of comes back to what your original point or question was. Precision in a open-ended uh, training environment yeah. comes down to the quality of the moment that you're in. Mm. And can you keep that quality of moment continuously engaging mm. rather than trying to see beyond it to the next one? Yeah. Because then you kind of lose where that precision is, where that timing is, where that you know, what are you really feeling? Yeah, and, uh, and I think that's why you see someone like Vladimir, you know, fully engaged in that moment. Why he's so effective mm. uh, is because he hasn't, even though he may have strategized beyond the moment, he's pretty well engaged in that moment. Yeah, and it's not trying to think of well, how is my system to look over a period of time? Sure, it's yeah. really how much am I engaged with the principles that I'm learning yeah. and expressing in that moment. That's where the precision comes from. Nice. Yeah, goes full circle. That was neatly done. Yeah. Must be a writer or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's my third podcast. Maybe I'm <laughs> <laughs> been learning things as we go. <laughs> nice. So what, what, else is, uh, what else is going on for you for the rest of the year after England and Amsterdam? So you've got the Kempo seminar in England, you've got Amsterdam, the military uh, police thing, and then, yeah, and then uh, you get a rest after that or are you no, flying on to Australia? Of course not. Back to LA to uh, <laughs> yeah. get back on the first and the, my master class in LA is on the fourth. Uh-huh. That's the full day one? It's, it's a four day course. Yeah. Still spots left on uh, that? A couple of spots left, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then I go to Northern California in December. Mm-hmm. Luke's, Luke's place, that's always a fun one. Cool. Um, and then I start again in January with uh, Florida, Gainesville, first time I'm going there. Yeah. I go to Cayman Islands after that, first time I'm going out there, no, second time. Yeah, I did that for a different group though. Yeah. And, uh, sounds like a tough gig. Cayman Islands. Do you know, sometimes I have to. Sometimes you've got to grit your teeth. And you've got to, you know, <laughs> just suffer for your ass. You yeah. Get your head down and just yeah, you know, pull through. <laughs> Somehow, it's just Somehow. Going to be yeah. Uh, no, it's a wonderful yeah. uh, experience. Uh, I mean, all of this is it, it, it's, it's, um, obviously we all work very hard for what we do. 
Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and hopefully affect people's lives on the way in a positive way. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to also sit back and say, well, what moment am I in now? Rather than, you know, pushing past to say, well, I'm going to be here, or I'm going to be doing this, or this is coming up in the future. I mean, sometimes yeah. you could be sitting in a hotel with your friends and, you yeah. know, doing a podcast and yeah. you know, enjoying that and, uh, in, in the Carolinas. And then, yeah. you know, the next moment you're in. And, yeah, it's, it's good to be, try and be fully engaged. Yeah, as a as a world, you know, because and this is what, one of the things I sort of try to do myself. Mm. Also try to express to my students and what people are training with me. And, and so, okay, even if you're training with me five days a week, mm. for say you're training with me for you know ten hours a week. Yeah. Then uh, when are you not training? Mm. I mean, are you really training with me, or are you learning with me? You know, because when you leave the school, that's really, I mean, if you're training an hour a day, that means there's 23 hours a day that you're not doing anything else, other yeah. than living your life. Yeah. Uh, and really, that's the opportunity in Sistema. That's, that's really where Sistema is a life art, and, mm. and something you can practice in a way that very few other martial arts, I think, truly allow you to fully engage yourself into the art of being a human being. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that they, they don't have their own methodology sure. and stuff. Mm. I mean, but if you're doing judo or boxing or something like that and you're moving around the world as a judo player or a boxer or something, mm. it's fairly obvious to the rest of the world that you would be moving in a way yeah. that a judo player moves or, sure. you know, mm. moving you know, in a way that a boxer would move. Yeah. But in Sistema, you really are moving as, you know, the idea is to be a normal human being. And yeah. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Of your training. Yeah. Um, and that, that is the opportunity in the rest of, you know, you're, you're outside of your training schedule. Mm. You know, when I'm sitting with Vlad, Vladimir driving from his house to the school, the way he positions himself in the car, mm. he relaxes himself, his hands are on the bottom of the steering wheel, they're not on mm. the top. Mm. You know, he, he'll pray before the journey, he's preparing mm. himself in some way. Mm. You know, this is before you even gets to the school. Yeah. You know, he's already fully engaged. Primed. In yeah. his mm. practice. Yeah. Of this art of being a human being. Mm. Sticking or trying to at least apply these principles. Yeah. Um, I think you know, Matt Hill was, was talking about Matt Hill and, uh, and he came back from the seminar no disrespect, Matt, you know, I love you. <laughs> 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 uh, and, uh, and he said something really interesting. He said uh, that he'd been training with Vladimir, and um, and he said, uh, and he'd come, to, he'd come to my seminar, and we're working out, and, and we're doing push ups. And he said, uh, oh, Vladimir said, we don't have to do push ups anymore. And, you know, this is such a fundamental thing to dive in learning in system for some of you, which is a yeah. good thing to do. Just question sure. what you're doing. Don't sure. just do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, always question your things. Mm. And I said, really? That's interesting. So how, what did we do? He said, well, I, I said to him, because, you know, I watch Vladimir work, and, and, you know, it's just such an incredible athlete apart from anything else. And, yeah. You know, and, uh, and I said, said to him, well, when do you do your training? Do you do, do push-ups at home, or because mm. I never see you work out in the class? Yeah. Vladimir looks at him and says, "Tigers don't do push-ups." Mm. And uh, and so Matt comes to me and said, "Well, you know, tigers don't do push-ups, so aren't we tigers? We, we don't need to do push-ups. We're just mm. tigers, right?" I said, "Well, yeah, I mean, that's fair. If you're a tiger, but you have to be a tiger 24 hours a day, not." Mm. Yeah, <laughs> not just for yeah. Tigers so walk on their hands, so <laughs> they're doing constant crawling push-ups all day long. All day long. <laughs> you know, and their awareness of the tiger and you know yeah. what they're doing, and you know yeah. they are fundamentally a tiger all of the time. Sure. Yeah. And if you're going to be that, then you have to be a tiger driving the car and getting the groceries and yeah. picking up your kids. Or, yeah. Which they really enjoy, by the way. But you can't just. It's a, I think there's this idea it's just, you know, that you see Sistema and it's so relaxed and so seems so effort, effortless mm. 
no fighting was, is without effort. Sure. Nothing is born in a vacuum in a fight. Right. Nothing. Yeah. And it takes tremendous strength to be relaxed. Yeah. And you have to work in a way that your strength is built into your relaxation. Yeah. And that takes a lot more training than gaining strength through tension. Yeah. Because it's right, gaining strength through tension is even though it's easy, mm. it's hard. Mm. It's way easier mm. than developing strength into your relaxation. Yeah, gaining strength through tension. It's a linear relationship, right? So, yeah, you put work in, your muscles right. get stronger. Yeah, yeah. It's that, yeah. Uh, but to somehow be able to distribute your energy across a relaxed muscle fiber mm. takes tremendous effort. Yeah. And then to actually apply that in a psychological state when sure. everybody else is, you know, amping up and you're amping down in the fight. Yeah. Again, even more effort than the actual training itself. So, mm. um, yes, your training, I think, again, tying back to what precision means, mm. it can't just be in the moment that you're in the gym. Yeah. You know, it's, it's when you're opening the fridge, it's when you're, you know, can you sit opposite somebody at dinner Mm. and drink whatever water or whatever it is you're drinking mm. without them noticing for the whole dinner. Mm. Can you do something with complete relaxation that would hide something that they would normally notice you're doing? Mm. Then once you're doing all that, yeah. then you can start to apply it in the fight. That's when that's when mm. decision because then you're training all day. Yeah. So that guided instinct you were talking about in combat, that's you're so you're essentially guiding your instincts all day long, right? We have pressures and we're instinctively drawn towards things that give us pleasure and away from you know, like distractions on your iPhone comfort. and stuff like that. Always, where it's we're be. always working towards comfort. You yeah. recognize the difference between comfort and sacrifice. So sometimes you have to steer those instincts too, right? I know. Yeah, sometimes there are bad ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. you've yeah. got to recognize what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much, man. I'm okay. looking forward to getting another two days of steered instinct with probably some abrupt fist-facing <laughs> interfaces like coming along the last next two days. But it's uh, always a pleasure having you here in North Carolina. And thanks yeah, very much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Glenn. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Systema, please visit us online at www.ncsystema.com. <laughs>